Do you ever find that life is oddly circular, starting and ending and then repeating, walking in circles? Okay, that can be a phrase to refer to a person who's lost their way in the woods and they, they somehow try to magically, they, they really don't realize and all of a sudden they're back where they started. It's like walking, even if you're not lost. Yesterday, Tiny and I went for a walk in the woods. Guess where we ended up? Same place we started. Crazy. Michelangelo was said to be able to draw a perfect circle. A circle is an object with a boundary which points lie equidistant from a fixed center. The close cousin, the sphere, or maybe it's a circle on steroids. Likewise, the ellipse. I love the ellipse. The ellipse is just a little bit defiant. It's like, yeah, I'm going to be round, but you're not going to confine me to be a circle. All sorts of useful things, right? Tires, planets, moons, stars, for that matter, are circular, okay? Bulbs, dials, buttons, cups, mugs, thermos, watch faces should be circular. If you have a watch that doesn't have real hands, it's not a watch. It's a computer on your wrist, but it's not a watch, just want to be really clear about that. Diamonds, other precious stones, a flying saucer. What happens when your spouse is mad at you? A non-flying saucer. Think about that one for a second. A plate, a bowl, a pop can, other bottles, mason jar, a Mercedes-Benz icon, okay? Enclosed in a circle. The letter O itself, the number O, more of an ellipse but still circular. A ball bearing, a BB, a bagel, a donut, and bicycles. Don't even get me started. Rear cassettes, chain rings, hubs, tubes, rims, rotors, seat tubes, rear derailleur pulleys. The simple circle and its very relatable relatives. Our page is 812. That's 812 in this book that's in front of you. Don't be afraid of the book. It's blue. You can grab it. 812, starting with verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God. Yesterday morning, okay, we're sitting having breakfast, and usually we sit breakfast and have it out in the sunroom, but, but this time we're sitting at the island, and my back is to the street, and, and Tanya's like, there's people walking up. I'm like, right now. I don't know why we're whispering. She's like, yes. I'm like, you want me to answer the door? She's like, yes. Pajama bottoms on the bottom, okay, kind of a plaid vibe, a gray Henley. Okay, I walk to the door. It's two well-dressed but appropriately dressed women. I'm just like, oh, no, I don't want this. Make Zella sit, stay, open the door. Hello, how are you today? I'm like, I'm fine. They're like, we're here to talk about the kingdom of God. Of course you are. I said, oh, really? You're here to talk about the kingdom of God? And they're like, they're, they're like, are you familiar with the kingdom of God? I'm like, yeah, I've thought a little bit about it. And they're like, well, have you ever thought about how it applies to your life? I'm like, actually, I have. <laughs> Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. They're like, that's a promise of God. I'm like, yes, it is. And I hope you have a great day. The peace of Christ to you. Just didn't want to engage. <laughs> and that's okay. Therefore, do not be anxious about today, tomorrow rather, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. From the ESV. If you possess the message translation, um, this verse is magical for me, okay? 
Here's how it sounds in the message. The message is Eugene Peterson's translation of the Bible from the original manuscripts, the Greek and the Hebrew, okay, into today's English. Eugene Peterson writes the Bible from the original manuscripts as if it had been written today. Most of the time, he does a really great job. Sometimes you're a little bit like, eh, I'm not quite sure. I totally agree with that. But 633 and 34, I love it. Listen to it in the message. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. And then this, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. It's the end of the year, right? The last day. And at the end, we do all sorts of things. We celebrate, we reflect, maybe we mourn, we hope, we wait. We get caught up on certain obligations before the tax year is over. Growing up, okay, growing up, New Year's Eve was an evening celebration at our local church, okay? It was part potluck, part game time, part theater. Some of it I've uh, I've told you about this. The food part was easy. We started at 6 p.m., okay? And and we had a potluck, you know, and everyone brought their potluck things and and, and Swedish, Norwegian, bland-looking food, um, high-fat content, jello mold salads with fruit in them, okay? And you're just like, yes, I can't handle it either, although there's some people that to this day, like it, okay? And, and at any rate, so the potluck was easy, right? And then the game time, okay? We went and played games in the church basement, okay? And uh, uh, you got to remember, this place was pretty straight-laced, okay? I mean, like, super straight-laced. One year for Christmas, my parents uh, bought me a backgammon game, okay? Because backgammon's kind of a cool game. And so I'm like, I grab my little backgammon game, I'm going to bring it to church because we're going to play. And my mom and dad are like, yeah! sure that's a great idea. And I'm like, well, why? I'm a little guy, right? You know, and they're like, well, you can gamble playing backgammon. (laughs) And this place, anything related to gambling, so no playing cards, although Rook, no problem with Rook. No problem with Rook at all. Add four more cards, change the joker to a bird, and you're fine. I mean, hey, yeah, no, you can't gamble with those things. At any rate, so Ixnay on the backgammon game, right? But we played games and hide-and-seek, right? Hide-and-seek was amazing, right? About three hours into the time, the movie would start. And it would be some end-of-the-world Christian thriller, It would be about the rapture, and it would be about the tribulation, and it would always end with some faithful Christian laid spread out, French style, on a guillotine, the blade dropping, the screen goes black, okay? Have you you had this experience? Were you traumatized by this? Okay? Screen goes black. Pastor gets up and says, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Yes, please. I don't want to get my head cut off. You know, you're just like this terror, right? I hated going to sleep. Just like it was the worst thing in the world. I always hated the end. And that experience formed a lot of how I approach and don't approach faith in the local church. Do you fear the end of the year? Rushing to get tasks done? Wondering what the next year will hold? Or do you celebrate the year end and the promise of a fresh start? 
I've often heard that the next year is a fresh start, a, a new beginning, right? Uh, all sorts of thoughts and wishes and even articulated dreams about how the next year will be different, will be better, the new John. And, and to be sure, this last year's new John was new and improved. I hope that this isn't the end. And it's not. It's not the end of the year. To quote Gandalf, the journey doesn't end here. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things. What things? Well, they'd be the things that immediately precede this verse. And so you'd want to look at chapter 6. You'd probably even want to go back to chapter 5. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seems like a relatively easy solution to a complex problem, doesn't it? I mean, if, if one verse will do it, why did Jesus give us, in Matthew's version, 80 verses before it to wrestle with? You might be quickly figuring out that this sermon is a little different. I've been experimenting with some different things, and, and this week I just wanted to try one of my favorite verses, and one that I almost always start with when I meet some, with someone for the first time. It's one of those verses or set of verses that are absolutely foundational for me. The other would be, any guesses what the other one might be? Jesus said it as well. He was responding to the question, what's the greatest commandment? Love God. Love neighbor as self. Yeah, right on. And then, of course, FOS, okay? I think of my dear friend Dan whenever I say FOS. It's how we'd end our text messages, FOS. You know Paul's words from Galatians, FOS, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And this is not to suggest that verses about salvation are somehow second tier. No, no, not at all. No, no. Knowing Jesus as our Savior, Jesus is the salvation. No, 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 that's absolutely critical. But when I say favorite, I'm making a pastoral argument, not a theological argument. We know the difference, right? Often the Christian faith gets in trouble when someone asks a question and we respond theologically instead of pastorally? You, you want to tailor the, 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 the response to the question in the right way? If someone's asking in a way and they want a theological response, then fine, give them a theological response. A pastoral response is how you respond to a person who's just been told they have cancer. A theological response is someone at a coffee shop saying, hey, I have this question about why is there evil in the world? Two different responses. I'm making a pastoral case, seeking the kingdom of God first. The kingdom, we get this one confused. We think physical government Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Please, if we could just listen to Jesus. The kingdom, it's the rule and reign of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
righteousness, right living. We might say good living or clean living. But more than that, it's the the standard of right living, right? The standard of right living in the kingdom centers around God, God's kingdom, God's righteousness, to seek these things. Hide and seek, great game. One that we actually played in that little small church. There was all sorts of places to hide, even though it was very, very small, with 22 white pine pews, 16 of which are in the upstairs of the garage right out there. Got a deal on them a couple years ago. Pick them up, they're yours for free. Put my Steve, my friend Steve, in a bad spot with his lungs because it was a moldy basement, but we got them. We got 16 old growth white pine pews. They're the cool, I don't know what we'll use them for. The preceding verses give us a clue as to what right living looks like. It's all there. I mean, if all you had was chapters 5 and 6, starting on page 809, 810, 811, 812, it would get you home. It's all there. Seeking those things, finding the one who is hidden, except that Jesus tends to hide in plain sight. The verse really puts to test the reality that if we seek God, he will reward, he will reciprocate, he will reveal, he will reign in our lives. Drawn to 34, my favorite of favorites, especially Peterson's version in the message. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. First and foremost, that means that what I'm hearing right now from God is more important than what I'm saying to you. And what you're hearing from God is more important than what you're hearing from me. And the point at which my messaging or what is set up here overlaps with what you're hearing from God, we've won. But God is always most important. The messaging from God is always the most critical. What you are hearing from God right now is more important than what I'm saying to you. And what I am hearing from God right now is more important than what I am saying to you. My entire attention means that irrespective of what I'm experiencing, even in the most holiness, holy of moments, I am paying attention. God, where are you at? What are you doing? What are you inviting me to do? How are you inviting me to act? How are you inviting me to respond? Don't get worked up, right? Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up. Man, I needed that again this week. So easy to get worked up. The phrase is anchored in the reality that tomorrow may happen like I think it will. Or it may not happen the way I think it will. But it doesn't matter. Don't get worked up about either. Why? Because God is there to help. At times, I really wish I could understand how it works. Other times, I think it has to be more complex than this. I mean, because it's so wonderfully simple and elementary, and yet at the same time, so graduate school. 
It's at one level, apprentice level work, okay, and another level, a master's level problem solving challenge. It's both changing a spark plug, which is super easy, and completely rebuilding the engine, which I don't know how to do. It's sewing on a button, which I can, and making couture at the same moment. It's boiling water and perfecting a souffle. It's a study. Consistency. Consistency. A study of consistency in how the Spirit works and in being surprised by how the Spirit works. And if all I've done is make you scratch your head, isn't that what it feels like when we encounter God sometimes? Wait, God, I didn't see. But yet you're consistent. And yet I didn't see this happen. But that's... The start. We talked about this a little on Christmas Eve. The start, how we often substitute our rugged individualism for faith. The start is both an individual and a communal aspect, right? The invitation is to do both. Both being an individual response and being in community. Saying yes to God, understanding that God has already acted, that God has already loved first. And I think it's, it's not a yearly thing, right? I think it's a daily thing. I think each day, tracing this circle, these verses, believing that what Jesus promises, what Jesus speaks of and describes, is something powerful in the meekest of ways. According to our friends at NASA, the Earth revolves in an orbit around the sun that is 365 days, 6 hours, 9 minutes long. The Earth moves at a speed ranging from 29.29 to 30.29 kilometers per second, which is moving. It's really moving. The six hours, nine minutes adds up about an extra day every fourth year. So this year, next year, we get February 29th. The Earth makes this journey about the sun. And while we know it's not a circle, okay, it's more of an ellipse, we also know that there really isn't a start or an end. It just, it just, you just jump on and ride. You just jump on and ride. Every day, each day, is a circle of 24 hours. And often, I end up in the exact same place that I started. Almost every day. If I don't end up in the same place that I started, I'm in trouble. Big trouble. But I start off at home and I go through my day, right? And lo and behold, I end up right back here where I started. And the next day, it's beautiful. And there's some little diversions, right? So maybe one day it's a little bit more of an ellipse. You know, it goes out here a little bit more. Some days it goes a long ways, right? Because there's diversions, right? Right? 
Sometimes you get off track. Sometimes it's not a circle at all. Sometimes it's like a wandering thing like this, right? You know, and you go like over here, and then all of a sudden you're behind Ernie's stuff, and then, then you come back over here, and, and then you're like over by Arlen's stuff, right? And you're just like, it's a wandering circle, and you're like, wow, how did I get over here, you know? But, but, but at the end of the day, you're back here at the start. Circling around these verses and these ideas, giving our entire attention to what God is doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. And I think maybe rather than starting each day with this profound sense of confidence of this is what I'm going to do, maybe I should start each day with this. God, I have no idea how this day is going to work out. I think that might be a perfect way to start any day. An attitude of dependence, a posture of humility, that I cannot do this thing on my own. You cannot do this thing on your own. I hate to burst your bubble. You can't do life on your own. that I am dependent on the spirit of the living God to fall freshly on my life. That's the start. That's jumping on the circle. And from there, it's a daily pathway that is not linear. For the Christ follower returns each and every day to the exact same start. Over the weekend, we brought Anna back to Madtown. On our way back north, we stopped at the Car Valley Cheese Company, bought a silly amount of cheese. I mean, just really a profane amount of cheese. And then, then if that wasn't enough, a bunch of sample packs, okay? Here's a shameless ad for the Car Valley Cheese Company. Um, if it's green, it's uh, uh, cow cheese. If it's uh, yellow, it's sheep cheese. And if it's uh, blue, it's goat cheese. Um, and so we had Gouda, and we had goat cheddar, and we have Fontina, Fontina, and we had native sheep, and then we had some meat sticks, and then we had a Diet Coke, and, and we're about 20 miles down the road. And Tanya lets out this satiated, anchored to her passenger seat sort of groan. Oh, I'm full of cheese. <laughs> because if you're in Wisconsin and you seek cheese, you'll get full. Please pray with me. Father, we come to you today. Condition our hearts to have a posture of humility, a posture of dependence, a posture of paying attention to what you are doing in any moment of any day. Allow us to continually circle about this idea Father, it is profound to be together, a community of faith, encouraging one another. 
It is profound to know Jesus as our Savior. It is profound to say, you are our God, and we are your people. Bless us on our journeys. In Jesus' name, amen.